0: It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, May 15th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Tonight, tensions rise on the U.S.-Mexico border as battles over the treatment of asylum seekers and their claims escalate. The California report heads south to the front lines. Then, today's national native news brings us a first in aviation history. And we've got a look at your local news and weather forecast before KVMR's Felton Pruitt speaks with Nevada City Chamber of Commerce Executive Director Stuart Baker. The two bring you the newest edition of the Nevada City Chamber Report, which includes details on new electric vehicle charging stations, the downtown sidewalk sale, and the return of First Friday Art Walks.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. U.S. immigration officials are expressing confidence in the state of things at the U.S.-Mexico border. That after the Trump-era Title 42 program ended last week, it prevented migrants from seeking asylum in the U.S. And now some are worried that tens of thousands of people who've gathered at the border will now petition for asylum. On CNN's State of the Union show yesterday, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said there were 63. 300 border encounters friday that dropped to 4200 on saturday we have communicated very clearly a vitally important message to the individuals who are thinking of arriving at our southern border there is a lawful safe and orderly way to arrive in the united states that is through the pathways that president biden has expanded in an unprecedented way and then there's a consequence if one does not use those lawful pathways. As Title 42 ended last week, I went to the border. Hundreds of migrants from all over the world were and still are camped out in the field along a border fence between San Diego and Tijuana. The conditions there are miserable, with a single portable restroom, little food and no shelter. All of the migrants, including children, were sleeping on the ground without tents. They included Diana Rodriguez, 30 years old and traveling with two other women for safety. She says she fled her native Colombia because of few economic opportunities and growing violence.
2: We want the opportunity to show that we aren't bad people. We have good hearts, and if people take the opportunity to get to know us and get to know our stories, they would not reject us or treat us with hate or xenophobia just because we're immigrants. We're doing this for our children, our family, for a better future and more security for them.
1: A few steps away from Diana, I met Ricardo Aguirre, who lives about a mile from the border wall and came over to check out the scene. He says he's an immigrant himself, but doesn't want Title 42 to end.
3: We're afraid. Uh,
1: we don't know what's going to
3: happen. We, we fear that a lot of people is going to go across, and we don't feel safe. We got a family at home, we
2: got kids at the home, and we don't feel safe. Uh, of course, should be a lot of good people that want to cross, but that's a lot of criminals.
1: But immigrant rights advocates say the U.S. has a legal and moral responsibility to hear asylum claims and treat asylum seekers well. They also accuse the Biden administration of creating obstacles for people seeking asylum. At the border wall, I talked about that with Lillian Serrano of the Southern Borders Community Coalition.
2: And what we're seeing is families, uh, people who are sick, uh, people who are coming from all over the world, who are coming to the United States, uh, exercising their human right of seeking asylum. Um, And what is happening is once they touch U.S. soil, our own domestic laws, but also our international treaties indicate that they should be allowed the opportunity to present their case. But what we are seeing is that they're being left outside. Uh, They're spending the night. Outdoors, they don't have access to food, to water, yet um, Border Patrol will not let them leave. Uh, they're coming in a daily, doing counts, indicating to them that they will be processed, but just not when. Um, we don't we don't see a, a necessarily a pattern of how things how people are being processed. They just arrive and indicate to the migrants that they will be taking twenty. 100 people, Um, they're going to take family units or single adults.
1: And take them where right now?
2: So they're being taken to reprocess. They will not disclose the specific locations where they're being taken. Some people will be detained in immigration facilities. Some people will be released to shelters and others will be just released on the streets.
1: And that's the best you can hope for, right? That that's kind of the best result for them, for these migrants, if that happens.
2: The best results for these migrants is to be Uh, allow the opportunity to start their asylum process and be taken to a shelter.
1: And what's the worst result with the end of Title 42?
2: That the government will assume that they don't have an asylum claim and will start immediate deportations. uh, The ports of entry had indicated to us that they will be able to process about a thousand people per day collectively. That means from San Diego to Brunsville, about a thousand, maybe a little more, maybe a little less in a daily basis, that's not even a fraction of what we the need is in just one location.
1: All right, Lillian Serrano with the Southern Border Communities Coalition. Thanks for talking to me.
2: Yeah, thank you for talking to me.
1: Let's turn to education. The Oakland Unified School District and the union representing its teachers have reached a tentative deal on a new contract, ending a strike that began on May 4th. The agreement still has to be voted on by union members. Schools will be open today, but full instruction won't start up again until tomorrow. The deal includes a 15.5% pay raise for most teachers. The union also agreed with the district on several social and educational reforms, including reparations for Black students, and resources for unhoused students. With the Hollywood writer's strike almost in its third week, a major issue for the writers is how studios want to use artificial intelligence in screenwriting. Jeff Snyder is the editor-in-chief of Above the Line, a website that focuses on the entertainment industry. He says studio executives are already exploring the role of AI in future script writing. I'd heard that there were lists of public domain titles. You know, these are books, other things that were written a long, long time ago, and they're not under, not necessarily copyright, but like they can be freely adapted for for film and television due to the laws in our country. Um, And so, you know, that's what I'm told that executives are going to be looking at to start with this AI stuff rather than asking AI to create an original screenplay from scratch. Snyder says it's important to note AI will not completely replace script writers. Writers will be hired to edit the first drafts. But the Writers Guild of America has argued that this will mean far fewer work hours for union members with less pay. Snyder says it's unlikely any studio would actually use AI until the strike is resolved.
3: Support for the California Report comes from Hint, Fruit-infused water with no sugar or diet sweeteners with more than 25 flavors including watermelon and pineapple in stores or delivered from hintwater.com. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health, on the web at 11thHourRacing.org.
1: And that's the California Report for Monday, May 15th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening.
0: Today's National Native News brings us a first in aviation history. The first-ever aircraft to be named in an Alaska Native language in the history of any domestic airline was unveiled last week in Anchorage, Alaska. National Native News has these details and more up ahead.
4: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. South Dakota Senator Mike Rounds has introduced bipartisan legislation to establish a congressional charter for the National American Indian Veterans Group. It's the third year Rounds and New Mexico Democratic co-sponsor Ben Ray Lujan have submitted the legislation. C.J. Keene has more.
1: Support for the proposal has increased within the Senate since it was last introduced. Rounds says he feels good about its chances in this Congress
3: last year we were able to have nine original co-sponsors this year we've got 34 original co-sponsors including myself so i think we're moving in the right direction and the reason why we have those other co-sponsors is because native americans from across the country are notifying their uh, senators and asking them to uh, get on this bill with us round says it's
1: about putting native veterans on equal footing with their peers
3: There are about 140,000 Native American veterans in the United States today. They do not have a congressional charter for their organization. We have other congressional charters that have been granted in the past. We've got the Italian Americans, the Polish American, and the Catholic American veteran groups, but we don't have a Native American veterans organization that has received a congressional
1: charter yet. But D.C. isn't the only place the proposal has support.
3: Not only do all of the tribes in South Dakota offer their support for the legislation, but the coalition of large tribes also supports this endeavor.
1: The bill would need to pass both the Senate and House and be signed by President Biden before a charter can be established. For National Native News in Rapid City, I'm C.J. Keene.
4: South Dakota State University faculty and staff are visiting tribal communities in South Dakota this spring to strengthen relationships and better understand support for current and future Native students on campus. They're starting a bus tour Monday, taking them to the Cheyenne River and Standing Rock communities. Next week, they'll visit Yankton and Rosebud, and through June, we'll travel to five other tribal communities. The trips include visiting schools, colleges, and businesses, learning about tribal bison herds, and cultural nights with elders. The tour is part of a professional development development training series for faculty and staff. The university hopes to increase native student retention and graduation rates. The first ever aircraft to be named in an Alaska native language in the history of any domestic airline was unveiled last week in Anchorage, Alaska, Ha-Kwani, which means salmon people in Tlingit. The plane is wrapped in a Northwest Coast formline art design. It's created by Crystal World, Tlingit, Athabaskan, and Filipino. She's well known for her art, which can be found on many things, from clothing to a U.S. postal stamp and now the Boeing 737. The salmon pictured on the side of the plane looks as if they're swimming with a female salmon with eggs on the tail and a giant male salmon salmon taking up half of the plane towards the cockpit. The male salmon's tongues meet up in the front. world explains. I like to think of as a breathing line or a lifeline. Um, it's the beginning of oxygen and water and elements that are flowing through the salmon that the salmon absorb into their bodies as they navigate and migrate back home. Years ago, world downloaded a template of the Boeing and superimposed her artwork on it. She then posted it to social media tagging Alaska Airlines and eventually got the airline's attention. Alaska Airlines is also working with a native Hawaiian artist to design an aircraft. Navajo leaders are paying tribute to World War II veteran Stephen Harrison, who recently passed away at the age of 101. Harrison enlisted in the Navy in 1944, earning several honors for his service, including the American Area Ribbon, two Bronze Stars, and a Victory Medal. He was honorably discharged in 1946. I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
1: Support by Sonosky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sonosky Chambers Law. Native Voice 1, the Native American Radio Network.
0: Now let's take a look at your local news announcement of Malakoff Diggins State Historic Park's 55th Annual Humbug Day comes days after the Nevada County Planning Commission voted unanimously to recommend the denial of the proposed Idaho-Maryland mine, Rise Grass Valley Project. The quote, hometown homecoming celebration commemorates the establishment of the park and brings its gold mining history to life with volunteers in period costume. Volunteers and park staff aim to interpret the historic heritage of the semi-ghost town, originally named Humbug, now known as North Bloomfield. As Nevada County District 4 Planning Commissioner Mike Mastrodonato said while addressing the public during Thursday's Planning Commission decision, there's no denying Nevada County's history and culture has been shaped by mining. For example, both Malakoff Diggins and Empire Mine are two historic state parks built around former mining sites. Quote, our community has a rich history of mining. We have a hotel called the Miners Inn. The mascot for our high school is the Miners. And it's been pointed out before that there's a miner in the logo of the county. But things change. Things change. It's 2023, says Mastro Donato. The planning commissioner went on to say many towns are founded on practices that modern-day residents would no longer be interested in resurrecting. Humbug Day seeks to contextualize the mining days of the late 1800s for visitors. And the park runs a documentary detailing the environmental effects felt from the area's mining operations. This year, the event takes place Saturday, June 10th, from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Placer County is asking the question, Where do you want to see electric vehicle charging stations? The county's Community Resource Development Agency has developed three short three-minute surveys for residents and visitors to help shape the area's future of electric vehicle readiness. Quote, The number of electric vehicles on the road is expected to continue to grow rapidly in the coming years. By investing in Placer County's infrastructure now, we can help future-proof our transportation network and ensure that it can accommodate the needs of our residents, commuters, and visitors for years to come. The community's input on these three short surveys will help shape the future of Placer County, says Placer County Senior Planner Angel Green. Placer County planners will use the surveys to decide the best ways to pursue and spend future grant money dedicated to electric vehicle readiness. The three surveys can be found at Placer County's website under EV Readiness Community Surveys. Now let's take a look at your local forecast from the National Weather Service. Above normal temperatures will bring areas of moderate heat risk to our listening area this week. Mountain showers and thunderstorm chances may return over the weekend. Be aware that rivers and creeks will continue to flow high, cold, and fast as a result of mountain snowmelt. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight clear with a low around 58 degrees. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 84. Tuesday night will be clear with a low around 58 degrees. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight clear with a low around 40 degrees. Gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 72. Tuesday night will be clear with a low around 41 degrees. The National Weather Service has issued a special weather statement for the Truckee-Tahoe region. The area will see temperatures in the upper 80s as we move through the week. These temperatures aren't typically seen until late June. The rising temperatures will continue accelerating snowmelt. Residents are warned to stay away from streams and rivers as they will flow fast, cold, and high. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, clear with a low around 57 degrees. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 94. Tuesday night will be clear with a low around 61 degrees. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. KVMR. has made a triumphant return, and with it comes a slew of activities throughout downtown Nevada City. Mars Felton Pruitt's here to let you know what not to miss in the coming weeks.
3: Hey, we're talking with Nevada City Chamber of Commerce Executive Director Stuart Baker. Stuart, you always let us know what's happening in our fine city. What is happening in our fine city?
5: Well, Felton, I wanted to throw a quick mention of the successful Earth Fest that we had this past month and um, hoping folks can join in next year. The street was packed. We had a lot of vendors. We had a climbing wall. we also had a ribbon cutting for the six charging stations that are now in downtown Nevada City for electric vehicles. Where are they? And they are in the commercial street parking lot right when you pull in off of commercial street and they are for the next six months. They're actually free. You just need to have the Chargey app uh, that the city uses with a balance on it, but you'll be able to charge for free all the way through late fall of of this year. So that's a a nice perk for folks. Moving forward on Memorial Day weekend, we're going to have what used to be Village Market Day, which has now become the downtown sidewalk sale. And so that's Midday on Memorial Day on Sunday. So if you're looking for a good deal, definitely come on downtown. And then we're having on the following Friday on June 2nd, the first Friday Art Walk. And that's going to be from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. on again on Friday, June 2nd. And so there's a new gallery, the Seven Stars Gallery on Spring Street, and they're going to have a ribbon cutting uh, on that first night at 6 p.m. So lots of reasons to come down for that. We've been hearing that the Nevada City Bike Classic is going to be returning on June 11th. The website is not yet up, but uh, if you're curious about that, you can go to NevadaCityClassic.com, and they'll give you the very latest on that. And then lastly, just later in June, the Nevada City Film Festival returns, and it's going to be on June 23rd through the 25th.
3: Well, that's a lot of stuff there, Stuart. Boy, I guess spring is here.
5: Spring is here. We're so excited. No more snow, and uh, we got a hot weekend ahead. But it looks like uh, after that, it'll be just perfect spring weather. So we're excited and looking forward to ushering
3: in the summertime. I imagine all of this stuff is on the Chamber's website. Give that to the folks.
5: It is nevadacitychamber.com.
3: Very good. That's Stuart Baker, Nevada City Chamber of Commerce Executive Director. Thanks for all the info, Stuart.
5: Hey, no problem, Felton.
0: That's our newscast for Monday, May 15th. Listen to anything you may have missed at our website, kvmr.org, and connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and The Pizza Joint, offering a variety of New York-style pizza specialties, prepared with fresh ingredients by the Slicer Pie, plus salads, pasta, and local beer. Open daily, Commercial Street, Nevada City, thepizzajointnc.com. And Weiss Landscaping, with over 75 years of generational experience in landscape architecture design and installation. Weiss Landscaping crews are experienced and provide accountability on craftsmanship, installations and irrigation projects. Go WeissLandscaping.com. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendonza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Tuesday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.